0: Fans, Welcome to another episode of Short Track Guys Podcast, brought to you by Short Track Exclusives. I am your host, Thomas Faddis, alongside one other Short Track guy with us tonight in the studio, Jim Pokrant, driver of the 07 Fishing.com sportsman here locally at Fire Flag Speedway in Pensacola. And Ted Baber of Ted Baber Video Productions has got some optical procedures going on in the morning. He is not going to be with us tonight. We'll miss him. Uh, I'm sure everything's going to be okay. And um, Jim, it's just you and me.
1: Yeah, I think Ted's rich. Something about Cadillacs in both eyes. They had to remove them. <laughs>
0: Cadillacs. Cadillacs.
1: Cataracts. Yeah, I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, it's Ted, optical, optical procedures. Optical uh, procedure.
1: Yeah, yeah. they're going to remove some ca- cataracts. So uh, we're thinking about you, Ted. Hope everything goes smoothly for you tomorrow, brother.
0: Yep. Yeah, we will welcome you back, uh, next Wednesday and uh, we'll get to another episode, but, um, episode 36 is, uh, going to be, Kind of the same, but a little different, I guess you would put it that way. Um, we've got uh, a big race coming up uh, we're going to get into just shortly. But, uh, Jim, you got some, a little bit of news updating uh, the sportsman getting ready for 2022?
1: Yeah, uh, me and Ben Cranford and uh, Will Hay have been working on the car. Our uh, Another shout out to my buddy Martin Beck. He's had COVID. He's been down in a. Into bed. He's working, but he's not able to work on the car right now. Stay out late because his energy levels are down. We're praying for you, Martin. You're, you're my crew chief, one of my best friends. But, um, we got the cage done, front bars done. We were mounting a fuel cell last night. Ben's supposed to be over there tonight, uh, working on it some more with me not being there. I appreciate him doing that because he doesn't have to, but he does, uh, pretty good fabricator. And, uh, we should have it off the jig and on jack stands hopefully this weekend. And then we start hanging uh, sheet metal and uh suspension parts and start getting it ready. Right. And you know,
0: just for some of our fans that are out there listening that uh uh don't understand or have not heard some of the terms that we've gone through, just with the fuel cell and and we'll go into a jig, just first of all, just just explain what a fuel cell is.
1: It's just our gas tank, basically. It's it's got a bladder on the inside and a metal can on the outside. It's designed to crush in a crash and not bust open and squirt fuel everywhere and cause a fire. And a jig is a uh, platform in which you weld the frame of the car down to it, and then you start building the its level everything's perfectly level so when you build the cage onto it everything's level and even you don't have to worry about any twists or tears or any problems so uh ben's been doing a great job and i appreciate him a lot ben cranford uh, is my teammate he runs in pure stock uh as soon as we get my car done we got to get his car over there get it scaled and get ready for the season which starts march 18th and uh we'll go have some fun
0: yeah be here before you know it
1: yeah i know it that's got me nervous. we got to buy some parts, so we're working on that, too. Yeah. Shout out to uh, my one of my sponsors that just came on board, All Pools, with uh, Rich Bonneberger. He hooked us up with some new wheels. Rich, thank you, and uh, thank you to all my sponsors, Can't Quit Fishing and Emerald Coast Remodeling and Trim, my buddy Brian, and uh, everybody that helps us out, and Ted Baber, and, and all my crew.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's what, what keeps it going, you know, the team uh you know pulling together and 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 lending a hand and and being a part of it and uh keeps keeps you going now you get ready for 2022 and then go defend that championship and uh see what happens after that
1: that's the game plan i was hoping uh i was thinking about going up to speed fest this weekend we're going to talk about that but uh you know what i might just stay home spend two days more working on the car because I mean, I, I get a lot of help, but there's lots of times I, and my friends have families and, and other activities. Their wives can't let them come over all the time and play. So I'm stuck by myself working on the car and I get a lot done myself and, and, uh, we're going to get it done and, uh, we're going to be ready for March 18th and we're on a new tire. So I really would love to go out and run some practice prior to that to get the feel of the new tires and, uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. man. yeah, speaking of, uh, speed fest 2022 at crisp motorsports park uh watermelon capital speedway uh coming up i mean just in a blink of an eye uh we've got over 20 super late model teams that have filed their entries and i think we went over uh some of them last week we did um but i i don't know i don't see any updates uh but i could just kind of run over some of the guys that are that are going to be there that we've mentioned uh and you probably have seen on the weekend on tv with Corey heim uh, Michael Hind, uh, Michael Atwell, Stephen Nassi, Daniel Dye, Jake Garcia, Jesse Dutelli, uh, Josh Berry, Bubba Pollard, uh, Carson Hosevar, Steve Doerr, Eric Jones, Michael House, and Cody Coughlin. And, jeez. I mean, if that's a, if that's not a way to open up 2022, I don't know what is.
1: I saw an update. The 30-car... Of Jesse Dutille is not going to be able to make it. He, uh, Some of his crew couldn't get off work to go up there, so they they pulled out. I just saw that the other day on Facebook.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Jesse Dutille uh, uh, down from uh, 417 Southern Speedway, I believe it is. Southern yeah, Southern, Southern Speedway, Speedway yeah. Uh, down there with, uh, with the crew, uh, not able to make it. That's, uh, that's a disappointment, I know, to that whole entire team. And we missed him at the Derby this past December, but um, – you know his 2022 is probably full uh he's he's gonna he he, will be mentioning him much
1: oh i'm sure he's a great driver and they got a good team and that's got a fast race car because the first time he showed him the five flags i was like who's this guy and man he set fastest time and led a lot of that race of course our hero bubba pollard wanted but he was there and he showed up. And I'm like, whoa, who's this Jesse Dutilli guy? He's pretty tough.
0: Yeah, tough is actually uh pretty accurate and I'm sure we're gonna hear a lot about him in twenty twenty two coming up. But I know it's disappointing, uh missing him at the Derby and um him not being able to be a crisp uh, you know, to take part in and in, in that big super late model race. But it, it does we go back to this, we've had it in, in several episodes that it takes it takes the time and it takes the funds to make these races.
1: It does. It does. And, you know, I think the Derby was because of COVID. I think some of his teams, the team was sick and they couldn't make it. I mean, yeah, that's a shame. But he'll be back. I, he's tough, man. He they, That just simple paint scheme he has in a bad, fast race car.
0: Speaking of fast race cars, we had, uh, and it's kind of weird that you say this, but we're going out, uh, west in Tucson at Tucson Speedway with the Chili Willy 150. And it's just kind of weird saying that, but this is the ninth year they've had this. This is the ninth annual Chili Willy 150, and they run, uh, a super event, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, uh, a guy that we have mentioned, or a driver, I should say, that we have mentioned, uh, several times, uh, Preston Peltier comes away with his second win at 43 years old um and took the win uh out there and just kind of really didn't really i don't think he really had i saw some of the replays and i don't think he really had any competition
1: probably not he's he's a great driver he has no luck at our track though I, i hate that but um he's a hell of a win he wins a lot of races and you don't win a lot of races being a slacker so the dude's pretty good
0: and we'll have to say uh that he did beat his car owner
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, it was Preston Peltier, uh, Cody Vanderwall finished second, and his car owner, Edward Veccarelli, and Ron Norman and Brett Gacki finished top five out there, and there was uh, about 25 or so. I think I read one of the quotes about uh, his car owner saying that uh, – he was lucky that I didn't get back to him because you know it might have been a little different story, but I, I think uh, Preston had uh, had it dialed in and um, just took care of business. And uh, this guy has got two time uh, now, Chilly Willy winners. It's still weird saying that, but it, yeah. that's <laughs> that's what it is. He has won the Summer Showdown um, at Evergreen uh, twice, and he's got a five time Easter Bunny. Uh, down a Hickory, and he's got a World Crown 300 under his belt. So, I mean, Preston Peltier is 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 not any slouch at all. That just dude can oh, oh. he can wheel a car.
1: Well, that means one. You, you mentioned those races. You're talking all the way across the country from Boston all the way down to down to Florida and everywhere else. And the guy's all over the place, and he's good.
0: Yeah, and he's been here several times.
1: Yeah, he's made the Derby. I think he made the Derby this year. Maybe he did. I know he's he's come a lot of times and actually made the snowball. I mean, good driver and congratulations on the Chili Willie yeah. 150.
0: <laughs> it just uh, I don't know. It just that would if I were a promoter, I would probably tend to change that name. But you know, it's just uh, I don't know with Tucson. You know, it's just a Chili Willie. I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, it, is but. that
1: the sponsor of the race, or is it just yeah. what they call it?
0: I, You know, it's nine years in a row. You know, it's the Chili Willie 150. It's, it's, it's a big race out there in the West Coast. Uh, You know, I don't know. It, well, that, the that
1: Snowball was, Derby was taken, so you had to come up with something.
0: Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> so that uh, that pretty much does it this week. Uh, we got, you know, that Crisp Motorsports Park, the Speed Fest 2022, uh, the Chili Willie that's finished up last weekend with Pel- Preston Peltier, the winner. Uh for the second time, um and we're gonna like we said last episode, we we're gonna try to dabble in a little bit more dirt and uh um, we're gonna get ready for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt series that starts up. Uh here actually tonight they've got practice at Golden Isle Speedway, but uh this is the Super Bowl of racing uh tonight and um tomorrow really kicks off three day series. Uh, with Tim McCready and Hudson O'Neill, Jonathan Davenport, Jimmy Owens, Tyler Erb, Kyle Bronson, Ricky Thornton, Shane Clanton, Earl Pearson Junior. These guys you're gonna see a lot. I think um I think one of the major networks on television is gonna carry this series uh for the year and it kicks off this uh well, this weekend, really, at the Golden Isle Speedway.
1: That is a hell of a series. You talk about some guys that get it on, that's some good racing.
0: Yeah.
1: It's one to sit down and watch, I think. Bloomquist, is Bloomquist there? Because um, I, I think he's suspended from the World of Outlaws. Isn't he suspended for a season for some stuff?
0: I don't know. I have I, to look I, into that. I, I haven't heard he, anything. I
1: think he was. I think from the World of Outlaws. Now, he can run Lucas, but he can't run the World of Outlaws.
0: Well, I tell you what, without us looking it up right now, let's have one of our listeners look that up and make a comment on our Facebook page. Yeah, that'll work. And let us know about it. So. Yeah a little bit more involved. And, in, uh, you know, it's Short Track Guys podcast on Facebook, and uh, we welcome all comments Sure. one way or the other. Uh We want to hear from you because, you know, you are our motivation.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. The fans are. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love racing. When you get out of that car and you hear people cheering for you, it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. You and, um, you know, we, we're going to kind of pick up a little bit and uh, run some stories on maybe a part two of a, a Did You Know segment from last week, and we have, uh, we have quite a bit, uh, of an interesting pickup on a part two of Did You Know? Um, and I think Jim's got, uh, something really, really funny and cool to, to go over.
1: Well, there was a NASCAR racer in the 60s by the name of Joe Weatherly. They called him Little Joe. He was a small guy. World War II veteran took a shot in the mouth when lost two teeth to a German sniper. Neat guy served in north africa um but he was he was known as the clown prince he won in nascar um ran over 230 races he had 25 wins was a grand national champion in 62 and 63 and uh, won the southern 552 um his last race was the 64 motor trend 500 where he passed away but As known as the Clown Prince, he always loved playing jokes on people. He would do stuff. Him and uh, Curtis Turner one time stole, uh, or took their rental car, actually, and were playing around in Pensacola, Florida, and actually drove the rental car into the swimming pool at their hotel. True story, my dad told me about that. But this guy was a knucklehead. He loved playing tricks, and one of his most famous tricks is he had a box, with a mongoose tail hanging out of it, and he would carry it around and tell people it was the meanest thing you'd ever seen it was a mongoose in there, and people would look in that box, and he would act like he's poking it with a stick, and he would flip a lever, and that tail would flip out and go towards the people and scare the crap out of them. I mean, you're looking in there, and he's telling you how mean this thing is it's going to hurt you, and his tail comes flying at you. Well, he did it at Darlington to three of the wives, the the Ford, Dodge, and the Chevrolet rep. Wives were walking down Pitt Road, and he... He played the prank on them, and they actually wet themselves. And Bob Colvin, from the the, the the promoter of Darlington, was looking for him. was going to kill him because of what he did. But he loved putting rubber snakes. And uh, another story that I heard from my dad, and I've also heard from other people, that back in the day they used to uh, put water jugs in the car, and under caution they'd take a swig from the water jug. Well. Curtis Turner left his car unattended, and Joe Weatherly went and took the water jugs and swapped out the water with mint julep, which is a Southern drink, alcoholic drink. And said, and Curtis Turner hit the first caution, took a swig, realized what it was. said he drove up beside Joe Weatherly, looked over and said, at least you could have done is put some ice cubes in it. <laughs> I mean, those guys were, that, that's back when you get away with stuff like that. But yeah. he was killed at Riverside, 1964, the fourth race of the season. Because he would not wear shoulder harnesses, and they didn't have window nets back then. He drove for Budmore Engineering. They sent the cars out to uh, Bill Strope Engineering, and they changed the front brakes. They run drum brakes back then, and they'd get hot and have problems. Well, Bill Strope had come up with a special kind of liner that he thought would last. Well, Joe broke a transmission, came in, they changed the transmission, and Budmore didn't want to do it. He said, come on, Bud, we're under under red flag, come on. So he put it back in, he was a couple laps down, he was making up ground. And went in. I think it was the ninth turn. They don't. Use, they never used it after this. But went into the wall. The brakes failed, and he hit the wall almost head on. And his head contacted the concrete because he wouldn't wear shoulder harnesses. He wouldn't wear shoulder harnesses because he said he was scared to death of catching on fire, and he couldn't get out of the car if he had shoulder harnesses on. Wow. But that's the way he was. And we lost him in 1964. But the guy was was one of the greatest in history. I mean, he was. He's one of the 50th. NASCAR voted him one of the 50 best drivers in NASCAR history. Um, and, you know, I it would love to take a time machine and go back in time and meet these guys because my dad said they were great people. Yeah, right. You know, we we miss people like that. We don't have any personalities like that anymore.
0: Right. Yeah, they, they're they tough guys. You know, they back there when it was racing. And uh, I've seen some of those old cars in the museums. And uh, you just, I mean, just regular car seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and regular seatbelts. And and I think you mentioned before we went on that uh, before a certain period of time, they didn't even have window nets.
1: No, they didn't have window nets because they didn't need them. They weren't worried about it. And when they started fi- hanging out of cars, NASCAR finally mandated to put a net in the car to keep them from uh, falling out. In 1970, Richard Petty hit the wall at Darlington and flipped violently. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. He was hanging out of the car. He had shoulder harnesses on, but he was hanging out of the car as it was flipping. And they thought he was dead and he was fine. But when they went home, Richard Petty and them made a window and he never raced without one after that. Right. His, his mother, Richard Petty's mom, actually sewed the first window
0: Wow, that's uh, that's wising up, I think, what you'd say? Just a little bit.
1: Yeah, Just yeah. a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you lost a lot of drivers back then. I mean, we lost Fireball Roberts. Um Oh, God, just, I mean, driver after driver is getting killed, but that's what what they accepted. I yeah. mean, you know, hey, yep. it, it's probably going to happen, one of us, but, you know, we didn't think about it. They just kept their heads down and raced because that's how they made their living.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, you know, you put food on the table, and uh, but racing comes first. You know, yep. not going back to that mill, Martha.
1: Oh, well, no, they're going back to running moonshine because a lot of them did that.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. Including
1: guys like Joe Weatherly and Curtis Turner and yep. Junior Johnson and all those guys, and they got threatened. Sonny Black was a local racer here. He's from Pensacola, or he's from Alabama, but he lived in Pensacola. My dad knew him. Sonny was told by the ATF if he got caught with a jar of moonshine crossing the Florida-Alabama line, he would go to prison and never see the light of day. Mm, wow. Yeah, he was, he was another one. But, I mean, that's, that was something that, like Ned Jarrett said, he struggled with when he first started racing was his dad didn't approve of it because he was racing with bootleggers. Mm-hmm. And his dad told him, well, son, you know, it's not really a good idea to be around these people. So Ned raced under his uh, buddy's name, and then he won a race. And his dad came to him and said, okay, if you're going to do this, use your name. And right. That's, you know, Ned Jarrett said, I had respect for my father. Of course, a lot of kids nowadays don't, but that's just another story. Yeah. But, I mean, those guys back then were tough. Ned Jarrett drove a race. He he bought a car with a bad check.
0: Yeah, I remember that story. The steering
1: wheel was wrapped on and his hand was cut to the bone. And the man finished the race with blood squirting out the passenger side of the car because he had to. Yeah. Those guys were tough. Yeah. You know, they were tough. Yeah. 500 miles with no power steering. Yep. And an old car that wasn't made to go around a racetrack. Kind of like we do, but yeah, it's it very interesting. And I, I, Joe Weatherly is is he he's one of the coolest. I just
0: well, the, I mean, the Southern Five Hundred was also, I mean, the only paved event for NASCAR in nineteen fifty. Yeah, you know, so I mean, the Southern Five Hundred in Darlington uh, has such a a lot of history to it. And here's another one, just to kind of back up all the Weatherly stories. And uh, this one involves Curtis Turner as well, uh, but this is a gentleman named Johnny Mance. Uh, he was the first USAC stock car champion in 1956, but he had 12 NASCAR Grand National starts from 1950 and 51 and 1955 and 56. He won his third NASCAR race, the first Southern 500 held at Darlington Raceway. Wow. This was the first 500 mile race in the history of NASCAR. Um, the newly built Darlington Raceway was also the first super speedway for NASCAR, even though it was a little under a half a mile in size, or a mile and a half, actually. Uh, the Southern 500 was also, you know, like I said, the first paved event for 1950. The classification for super speedways would mean two miles and up. Well, Johnny Mance and his Plymouth were the race's slowest qualifier, almost 10 miles an hour slower than the pole winner, Curtis Turner. And he became uh, qualified ninth on a 15 day time trial. And now, how you go 15 days in, in, in time trials is just it's the sad. way they did the things back in that day. Uh, he started 43rd in a 75 car field at Darlington. If you can imagine 75 cars, they were three wide and however many rows deep. Well, Johnny Mance fitted his car with truck tires. That didn't wear quickly or blow out, and his competitors had to stop for pits.
1: Oh, yeah, breaking wheels, tires.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: it, changing them with a four way. There yeah. were no impacts back in those days.
0: Well, it was, it ended up being his only NASCAR win, and he would win by nine laps over the second place finisher, Fireball Roberts, with an average speed of 75 miles an hour. <laughs> the race took over six hours to run. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Other than the car number, Mance uh, had one loan sponsor decal on his car, which was placed by the Justice Brothers for the product they were distributing. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. As of 2010, the Speedway now presents the Johnny Mance Trophy to the winner of the Southern 500. That's cool. That is. That is just a, I mean, that's. Did he think about putting truck tires on them because they did. wouldn't blow, or did I he? I bet he
1: did because truck tires probably. We'll take look what they do on trucks, right? You haul heavy loads, right? You don't blow yeah. out. Yeah, he probably thought well, our belts to run street tires. I'm gonna put these truck tires on.
0: Yeah, ingenuity.
1: Yeah, just just thought it.
0: at its finest. Yeah,
1: you know, it wasn't the fastest car. Yeah, but wound up winning the race.
0: Yeah, that's uh, six hours to run that race, and he wins by nine laps.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, Ned Jarrett won it in 62 or 63 by 14 laps.
0: Holy! Oh, Ned Jarrett. Ned Jarrett. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But he,
1: but he said that the car was running hot. All the Ford, Fred Lorenz and all the other Fords had dropped out. And uh he said how he kept the car cool is he would shut it off going the corners and hold his throttle wide open on the gas. He said the cold fuel would run in and the engine would cool down. And when he'd refired, it'd backfire really loud. Hmm. and he said the ford people were in his pit because you're driving for ford and they were trying to flag him into the pits and he wouldn't come in he said i had it covered he won by 14 laps
0: 14 laps i mean it's i mean you gotta you gotta wonder how how the scoring was back in those days now i i my i think my second snowball derby uh i went out uh and i heard over the announcement or the pa that uh they needed some uh, lines line scores at the yeah. time. This is before the transponders came out, and for you, you just don't understand. The transponders a an electronic device that's zip tied to your frame underneath the car in a certain, in a certain location. Yes. So when you go through the start finish line, it's like electronically scored uh, as as far as the timing goes. Well, being a scorer, you would set up in the like what they call maybe near the spotter stand up in turn four. And there's a white line and you were assigned a certain car. Mm. And every time that car came by, you'd write, you'd look at a digital clock.
1: Right. And, and you write, clock.
0: You'd write the, the time down in a sheet. And, um, even if he's in the pits coming through, every time he crossed that line, you'd write the time down. And, um, it was 2002, I think. Um, and they would give you $40, which is what it costs to get in that day. And I was like, well, I can do that. I can go up and get paid and I can watch this race for free. Well, I had Mike Fritz from South Florida came up and that was my car. And, and, uh, he went halfway through the race and had some trouble and and had to retire. And so I turned my clipboard in and turned the timesheet in. And I sat there with everybody else and I watched the rest of the snowball derby. Uh, I think Wayne Anderson won it that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Into no, yeah, two thousand two. I think it was. Yeah, Wayne Anderson, um, the son of the king of short track racing down in South Florida,
1: Dick Anderson.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, for you wonder how they did those scoring back in those days.
1: It was probably the same way. They had a flop clock. It just
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> and you just yeah. write
1: the number down. Write the number down. Write the number down. Yeah, that's where they scored them back then. But, you know, and a lot of cars fell out. So it wasn't like there was like 20 or 40 people sitting there. I'm sure there probably only like 10 or 15 cars finished that race because Lee Petty was in it in a Buick that he borrowed from his neighbor. They drove up there, found a gas station, <clears throat> changed the oil in the car, lubed everything, took the hubcaps off, took the headlights out, and he flipped it and destroyed that Buick. And Richard Petty talked about how he had to hitchhike home with his mom and his little brother. Uh, and then Richard uh, Lee came like a day later with what was left of the car and had to explain to his neighbor um, what happened to his Buick. Hmm. That's crazy. Borrowed a car yeah, from his neighbor and destroyed it. Yeah. It's insane.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but that's the way they did things. I mean, they, NASCAR would go, if they didn't have enough cars to race, they would go to a rental place, rent cars, tape over the headlights, tape, and take leather straps and t- trap the door and put somebody in it. And the rental car people just never could understand why when the car came back, the tires were wore completely out.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that, that kind of reminds me when I was growing up, uh, my oldest brother, uh, would take his car to Atmore. And you know, this is the car that my dad paid to have him go back and forth to school with. Yeah. And he would go off on the weekend, and go to Atmore and drag and come back and complain. Well, the brakes are out or the clutches messed up or something my dad kept fixing the car and could not figure out that dad uh my brother was taking it to atmore and dragging with it and oh wow uh, oh yeah it just um you know but you know he's really i think the instrument behind uh me getting involved with it back in the day too because we we would go out and watch him and and uh i, I kind of caught the buzz and Ended up getting in involved, but, um, those are some of the stories that we all grow up doing, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain kind of thing. And, and people can't figure out because you're not, you're really not ca- letting the cat out of the bag and some of those stuff that happened. But if it's in you, it's in you, you know, oh, yeah. it's like the old saying, they can't put it in you and they can't take it out. No. Nope. So once it's in your blood, it's just, it's there.
1: Oh yeah. It's the worst drug you could ever get involved with. I promise you. Cause I've, Probably spent a lifetime fortune racing, but I loved every minute of it and wouldn't change it for nothing. Remember those enduro races they used to have at Five Flags? No. Oh. 170 cars on that half-mile racetrack. They'd be lined from turn one all the way back around to turn two. Yeah. And they dropped drop to green, and the leader was on the back end of the field. How in the hell they line scored those races, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, if, if, I, if I had uh, just a minute to explain that story with my brother online uh, or – with us now uh, about an enduro race. He was at the dealership um, and had his uh, his crew. Uh, They, I mean, they they bought like an old Chevelle or something for $300 and just got it running, and um, they put some tape on it or something, and they were going to take it out to the racetrack. When Gary got off uh, work, they were going to meet him out there Well, the truck broke down on the interstate, and they called him, and he said, you get that car to the racetrack because I'm on my way. So they unloaded it off the trailer on the interstate and drove that car to oh the racetrack. And Gary got in, and it was, uh, I don't know how many cars in those enduro races back then. It was a lot. Minimum of 100. Yeah, a lot. And uh, they kept going and going and going. and got towards the end, and uh, he noticed coming by, his crew was waving him to, like, keep going, keep going. Well, he thought that they were telling him to come in. Oh, no. Yeah, so he pulled in, and they're like, what are you doing? You're leading. Let's go. And I mean, this is back when they had the radio on, you know, oh, yeah. and the cigarette lighters in there it works. And yeah. and he came in and he was leading the enduro race and came in. And I still think he ended up in the top 10 somewhere, somewhere up, up front. But um, after all that chaos leading, you know, and then having to come in because your crew is, you know, cheering you on. Yeah. But you had to come in and stop going, and what are you doing? Go. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'd love to have him on just for a brief minute to explain that story. It is hilarious.
1: We might do that. That would be cool. I, I yeah. had a, I ran an old six cylinder Chevy Caprice in an Enduro one time at Five Flags. My brother and I bought it for like a hundred bucks, running driving car and he was going to drive it and he backed out. So I climbed in it and we're just riding that old six. I could flat foot it all the way around the racetrack. And Chris Cotto kind of ended up winning it. And Chris was roughing everybody up. And he kept banging into me. And I said, if that uh, hits me one more time, and he come by and I went and won, I dumped him. And the whole crowd went completely nuts. Right. The grandstands was on their feet cheering when I came back by. And you I got the video of it, and you hear caught, you're, kind of, you're oh, go Cotto's catching poke rant. What's gonna happen? Chris gingerly passed me the next time, never touched me again yeah those were a lot of fun
0: there's been a lot of fun times and uh, a a lot of memories out there uh, locally here at five flag speedway and and i'm sure all of you out there uh your friday and saturday night deals um you've got your driver you've got your your apparel you've got your cheering and um you know it's uh i'm sure everybody's out there got their stories to tell and and let us know get us you know yeah, Short Track Guys yeah. podcast on Facebook Let us know and tell know, us your favorite story. Yeah, we might we might have a little call-in show or something if we can do that and uh That you know. would be cool.
1: Yeah, yeah let's fans us. talk about. Yeah. Back in the day at Five Flags, that would be freaking yeah. awesome.
0: And tell us your favorite story and uh, you know, we'll put it out there for sure.
1: Yep, that would be freaking awesome. I would love that. And also it'd be cool to, get you know, get some of these drivers on here and talk about back in the day cuz Man, I, I I could talk for hours about memories and stuff that I've seen and yeah and how much fun it was or it, and it still is and I still love doing it and that's why I like doing this so I can talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I appreciate you being here and being a part of it and we're having a lot of fun mm-hmm. and we do miss ten, uh, Ted and and he'll have he'll have good vision coming next Wednesday he'll be able to see everything bright. <laughs> <I>
1: Probably <promise laughs> so. I think they're removing one Cadillac. Tomorrow, and then he's got to go back here with the other Cadillac <laughs> removed later. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 we, yeah. we miss him. Uh, we do. We yeah. miss you too. I can I see him yeah. sitting in the chair right there with the microphone on and uh, uh, doing his little quirks to make me laugh. Uh, doing the like... sweetest chef from. <laughs> yes, yes. Ted, we'll see you uh, next Wednesday, my friend. Uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure to get uh, yes, with you and talk short track racing. And thanks to all our listeners. You can get with Jim Pokrant at JBP
1: jbp07 at hotmail.com
0: at hotmail.com and uh give him a shout and uh, cheer him on um you know get in touch with us with short track guys podcast on facebook and wherever you get your podcast uh
1: i'm give sure us a, give us a good rating if you yep. can leave us a you know on our facebook talk to us tell us what you think drop us a line at our at our uh email addresses and also i forgot Let's go, Brandon.
0: Let's go, Brandon. That's exactly right. That's
1: right. Y'all have a great evening.
0: Thank you for listening.